This week on Unforgotten. Shannon Steele was born in Ohio on July 23rd in 1988. Shannon was the mother of four beautiful children, three girls and one boy. And she had just given birth to her youngest daughter in September of 2017. After 3 p.m. on December 28, 2017, a Demopolis police officer arrived at 29-year-old Shannon's apartment on Queensbury Lane. The officer entered the home and discovered Shannon's four-month-old daughter in the back bedroom, along with Shannon. Still unsolved, and the leading investigators decided to issue a total of $20,000 reward. Articles all say that the officer originally reported to the apartment because he was serving civil papers on a guest in the residence. It never... Hey everyone, this is Sellers. And this is Stormy. And And this this is is Unforgotten. Unforgotten, where each episode will highlight unsolved missing, murdered, and suspicious death cases in Alabama in order to raise awareness and hopefully obtain some answers for victims and their families. Please remember that any individual referenced in the podcast should be considered innocent until found guilty in a court of law, and any opinions or views expressed in the podcast are solely those of participants. Listener discretion is advised, as some of the content discussed in the podcast may contain violence or graphic descriptions and may not be suitable for all audiences. Be sure to join our Unforgotten Patreon channel today to gain exclusive benefits, including early access to ad-free episodes and bonus content. By subscribing, you'll also be supporting the efforts of ACCA in assisting families and raising awareness for Alabama cold cases. And now for episode 30, Shannon Steele. Hey guys, and welcome back. Stormy, have you ever used a sublimation printer? I have not. What does, what, what is okay. that? <laughs> so, you know how there's heat vinyl and you can make shirts and stuff. You get like a Cricut or a Silhouette or whatever, and it cuts the vinyl out. Okay. Oh, yeah. So I have yeah, one of yeah. those and I do that, make those shirts all the time. I actually made a crap ton of stickers for decorations to go on the homecoming float for my son's football team. I didn't know you could do that. Now I know that you can do that. I'm going to be like making demands. <laughs> so you have to like, it's really kind of complicated to do on this because you have, it's going to be easier with this printer, but you have to, with the vinyl, you have to cut each individual layer for the colors. Ew. So you yeah. have your base layer. If you have like a background, like their um, theme was like a rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Um, a rock of the ages or something. And so we had all kind of different guitars cut out in cardboard. And mm-hmm. so I had um, like skulls and crossbones and um, lightning bolts and things like that. All these different things like rock and roll, yeah, whatever. You did a good job with that. I saw that. <laughs> well, every different color is a different layer. Ugh. So I would have to print like the bottom layer and whatever color and then print if there was a middle layer, print that, and then yeah. whatever. So it's really tedious to do mm-hmm. that. And the sublimation is like, always like screen printing. Oh. So instead of cutting it out in vinyl, you actually have 
paper, it prints onto transfer paper, and then you, it, it's the ink, prints onto the transfer paper, and then you take it, use your heat press, and it transfers the ink directly to the fabric or the buttons or whatever you're putting it on. So are you starting a business? <laughs> I could, with all this extra time? <laughs> yes. Um, uh, well, yeah. in my mind, I thought, oh, I'm going to try and see if I can make our shirts. Mm-hmm. And then maybe we could just bring it in-house um, with all the free time that we have. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> so, let's not, you know, count our chickens before they hatch because it just came, it came in this week. And, you know, this week's been hectic. Mm-hmm. So I just got around to like unboxing everything this week. The printer and ink, all that stuff. I've got mm-hmm. like a load of blank shirts here that I'm like, yeah, I've ready to like do something with them. And um, I was like, oh, I'm going to make a sweatshirt, but I don't to wear to the football game tonight. It's our last football game, but I don't want it to say anything about football because this is the last game and we're about to roll into wrestling and I want to be able to wear it for both. And so I I feel a story coming on here. Oh my gosh. So I sit down and I make my graphic, like I draw it all out and all this stuff and get the printer set up. I'm thinking I've got plenty of time at this point. (laughs) Put the ink in, whatever, print it off. First off, I had set the size on my Procreate app to 8.5 by 14, which is legal size. Mm -hmm. And it won't let me change my print option when I'm trying to send it from my iPad from letter to legal. And so I'm like, okay, well, maybe it's just, it'll still work, whatever. The first print run, it prints off letter size. Even though it's on legal paper, it cuts off on like your standard letter size. I'm mm. like, oh, crap, too small. So I finally figure out I've got to use like the actual like app, the printer app that mm. came with it or whatever. So mm-hmm. get that fixed, get it printed out on the legal size. Looks great. I flip it over, I put it on the shirt, and I'm like getting ready to put my heat press on. And my husband walks by and he was like, is that going to read right? And I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, no, it's not mirrored. So it was going to be backwards. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God, okay, hang on. So at this point, it's now, the game starts at 7. We like to get there, you know, around 6.15-ish. And Mm -hmm. we're now at like 6.15. I've not really done anything with my hair or my face or anything. I have on sweatpants. Um, a Guns N' Roses t-shirt. And he's like, well, look, while this is going, why don't you go like change or whatever so you don't just have to stand here. And I'm like, what are you saying? You know? (laughs) He was like, well, I didn't know if you were going to like change into like jeans or whatever you were wearing. I was like, what if this was what I was wearing? Like, (laughs) I should have. It was really cold. I would have probably been a lot warmer. So I get it mirrored. I send it to the printer. Get it done. Go back. Put it on. I'm like, oh, so glad you caught that because I would have looked like an idiot walking in and been like, oh, but if I stand in front of a mirror, it looks right. Yeah. So I put it on the shirt, get it all taped down. I put the heat press on and I'm like super excited. I pull the heat press off and I pull the paper up and there's nothing on my shirt. What? Oh, nothing. no, I know what you did. So it turns out the printer comes with regular printer ink. <laughs> oh, shit. And I thought it was sublimation ink. 
we had ordered oh. extra of like an extra pack just so if, when I ran out, I wouldn't have to wait for more to come in. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. So I was so like, you have oh. another, you have a printer with just to print with right now. Oh, today <laughs> we drained it. Well, I take that back. My husband drained it and apparently made a huge mess <laughs> trying to drain the ink out of it. He picked the bo- picked his feet up and the bottom of his feet looked like those, you know, like when they take babies and make their... <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad the mess had gotten because he said it was going really well. I was getting it in the container and then I dropped it and spilled it everywhere. Oh, shit. So, <laughs> needless oh, to my. say, I have not made a dang thing with it yet. <laughs> I haven't even well, got it. You still have to me. order the, the ink then, right? No, no. We, I've got the backup that is actually oh. sublimation ink, but we're both sitting gotcha. there looking at it like, what is going on here? And we pulled out the spare ink and he's like, this says sublimation ink because I'm looking at the paper and I'm like, did I print it on the wrong side? That's and what it I says, thought you did. I thought it was going to be like you'd like flip the paper upside down or something. No, it said <laughs> if it didn't print, it means you ro- use the wrong ink. And he's like, oh, my God, Jeez. I bet that's regular ink. And I'm like, but I thought the purpose of this printer specifically was this. So why wouldn't they send that? No, it turns out it is actually just like a regular printer, but it can be used for this. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and so it was a cluster and then it was a mess today yeah. and Jeez. the backup ink you have to use syringes to actually refill the ink tank so i'm in here performing <laughs> oh, surgery wow. on this printer um so we're not going to count on any new business ventures anytime soon yeah that seems like a lot of work <laughs> yeah and i still haven't even made anything yet to know what it yeah. looks like oh heavens <laughs> yeah Oh my God! It has good heavens. We were um, we rolled in right as the football team was running out of the end zone to kick off. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least you got it. You they got won their last off. game. Yeah, and yeah. I, but I couldn't find my regular um, sweatshirt. Yeah, for their school. So I'm like oh, walking around. As it was. No, nope, I'm walking oh. around in one of their soccer sweatshirts. <laughs> Well, you know, still like, team you know, spirit, right? Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. And then it was freezing. Um, and I'm like, I should have kept the sweatpants on. Yeah, it's so cold. I left my blanket. Um, I don't like cold weather. That's mm-hmm. yeah. We've come to know that about yeah. you. Of course. <laughs> I turn into I live in cold weather and I don't like cold weather. So <laughs> No. I'm like a bear. I go into hibernation. I'm like, you will not see me during cold weather. Well, we had a little tiny update, um, nothing significant yet, um, but we did get a message on Dina's case um, after we posted the episode. Um, her niece uh, contacted us and her father and Dina's father apparently were the ones that were called to identify her. and. He actually is wanting to talk with us about the case. And so... I think that's great. Yeah. I'm glad that um, they reached out. I am too. And, you know, it's it's they were there when it happened. It sounds like the family was pretty upset, you know, when it happened, of course. But it gives, it'll give us a little more insight as to what happened directly from those who were involved. So that's great. Yeah. Well, you know, it was like we said, it, 
just from the the papers that we had and we looked at, it was mm-hmm. incredibly traumatic. I can yeah. imagine. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I couldn't even. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad um, that we were able to make contact, and hopefully, we can help them get it going again. Yeah, that'd be great. And if we have, you know, if we have any new information, of course, we'll we'll bring you the update either at the beginning of another episode or. Um, if it's enough, we'll do maybe a supplemental yeah. episode. So we'll see how that goes when we when we talk to them. Yep. Well, after a couple of weeks in northern Alabama, we're now heading to west central Alabama in the northernmost area of Marengo County and the county's largest city, Demopolis. I actually went to college not far from Demopolis. Did you? Oh. Yep. I went to the University of West Alabama. And that's right there, huh? I did not know that. I went there for two years and then transferred to South Alabama. Oh, but yeah, awesome. Not far. We didn't have Walmart or any. We had a Walmart in Livingston <laughs> at the time, but it was like the original Walmart. Uh-huh. So if you wanted um, to go to a bigger Walmart, you had to go to Demopolis or to um, Meridian. Yeah, the original Mar- uh, Walmarts were pretty Pretty small. They seem big at the time, probably, but yeah, it was like the old brown Walmart. You know, it had all the. Yeah. Br- it was like brown on the outside. They don't have those around anymore. Not like your neighborhood Walmart. Yeah. Well, by the largest city compared to most large cities, this is actually fairly small, which is obvious now. Listening to what you were saying, yeah. Uh, but um, they have a bit under 6,900 residents as of 2022. And it looks like the population has been dropping quite a bit over the last decade because in 2010, it was just shy of 7,500 residents. So that's quite a drop in a decade. Yeah. Especially when you're considering the small amount that it is percentage-wise. And I think probably part of that is maybe a little bit of people moving to areas for jobs. Oh, that could be. Moving to bigger areas, mm-hmm. closer to um, work-related things. Right. Yeah, that would make sense. Possibly. I don't know that for sure, but. Yeah. And it's been a, a while since I've been to Demopolis, so I'm sure they've built up since I was there last, but that would be my, like. Good reasoning. about it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the city lies at the junction of the Black Warrior River and Tumbigi. I'm hoping um, I said that. Tom Bigby. Tom Bigby. Oh, Bigby. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kind of, yeah. Okay. I wonder if it's, is it somebody named Tom Bigby that named the river? You know, I'm not down. really, I'm not really sure. Uh, but there's also a Bigby, Alabama. Um, yeah. Nobody knows where that is. <laughs> well, maybe this is also a Native American name that I'm just not recognizing too. So, um. But it is uh, on that crossing. It's situated on a cliff. And now, so did you, you obviously must have known that if you were around that area, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it when I can stump you. <laughs> I so was just sitting here looking at it and I'm like, this place that we went one time called the Catwalk, but I don't think that's it. It, it actually... Uh, is situated at what apparently the locals call White Bluff, but it's a chalk formation cliff, I guess. So, 
That's interesting. Yeah. Um, it also boasts a couple parks, um, but including the Demopolis River Walk, which is a scenic paved path along the banks of the Tom Big Bay River. However, the one that caught my attention was the Spillway Falls Park um, below the Demopolis Lock and Dam, which I, because I think waterfalls are cool. And even when they're low, they're, I just think they're pretty. I love uh, waterfalls too. Yeah. Um, but I've never been there now. I want to yeah. go because it's really not far. Yeah. Well, and it says it has uh, an observation deck where you can like see the large spillway. So, you know, it's like the big yeah. spread out water, but then you can see how they go over the rocky, you know, um, what you would call falls. Um, you, you think of a waterfall as like this big, tall thing that's spilling out water, but then you, but these are almost as pretty to me because they're kind of like almost like rolling over rocks, mm-hmm. you know, but it, yep. but the rest of it's all smooth because it comes from the dam. So, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, And also, it has a lot of wild birds in the area, including wild turkeys. That I'm not surprised to hear. Mm, Yeah. Turkeys and deer. Well, yeah, yeah. We have a lot of those out here, too. Yeah. I remember, like, the drive from when I would go home on the weekends and then back to school and college. And, I mean, it was a whole lot of nothing at the time. I mean, it's just... Like I said, you mm-hmm. run through little towns like on your way, um, but there is it is a good place for wildlife because it isn't as like industrialized. I guess. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Now we're going to turn from our scenic review of Demopolis to the case we're sharing today, Shannon Steele. Just after three p.m. on December twenty eighth, two thousand seventeen, a Demopolis police officer arrived at twenty nine year old Shannon's apartment on Queensberry Lane to serve civil papers on a guest in the home. Instead of being met by one of the adults in the home, they were met by Shannon's four-year-old son, who told them that someone had killed his mother. The officer entered the home and discovered Shannon's four-month-old daughter in the back bedroom, along with Shannon, who had sustained a fatal gunshot wound. Shannon's four-month-old daughter was alive and unharmed in the bedroom with her. We also learned from a Demopolis Times article on July 15, 2020, that Shannon's aunt, Valeda Steele, who works for Marengo County 911, actually took the call regarding Shannon's murder. It, all of that, it, I mean, it, does, it almost doesn't even need to be said. It, that is just crazy, heartbreaking, just terrible. I can't even imagine the kids. And then to top it off, then to, can you imagine taking a relative's 911 call? Oh my gosh. The like panic and worry mm-hmm. and concern that you would feel over that. Yeah. And I, then Shannon had two other daughters yeah. who fortunately weren't home at the time. Right. But this is her four-year-old son who probably didn't even know to call 911 to get help. Mm-hmm. If he even... Could get because I'm assuming, you know, in 2017, by that time, people had really started not using landlines anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was yeah. cell phones. And you have to, if there's a password on it, how is he going to get into that? You know, for sure. Yeah. So he just had to wait for somebody to come. Yeah. And that just hurts my heart. Yeah. And I wonder, I mean, how much he witnessed 
I mean, I don't think it has said much in the information that we we have Mm-mm. about, you know, him being there in the apartment when it happened. So, yeah, a lot of questions, I guess, about that. So now that we know the heartbreaking scene, let's back up a little bit and give you a bit of background on Shannon. According to Ancestry.com, Shannon Steele was born in Ohio on July 23rd in 1988 to David Moore and Jermaine Steele. It appears that Shannon and at least her mother moved to Alabama at some point after Shannon's birth. According to Shannon's Facebook page, she attended Amelia L. Johnson High School in Thomaston and went on to study at Lawson State Community College. Eventually, Shannon began working as a pharmacy tech at CVS, and she may have been a CNA based on her Facebook page. So as we were talking about earlier, Shannon was the mother of four beautiful children, three girls and one boy. And she had just given birth to her youngest daughter in September of 2017. So again, according to her Facebook page, her original page was hacked, prompting her to start a new one in 2017. And while there aren't many posts on her page, it doesn't take long to see that Shannon was a dedicated mother who really loved her children. It also looks like she loved football and had an incredible sense of humor. She was always posting about some football stuff and her babies. I don't know. The ones with kids always get me. I mean, they're all horrible, but, you know, the little kids. Mm Mm-hmm. And especially knowing that she had this sweet baby that is never going to get the chance to know her mama. Yeah. I mean, the four-year-old is probably going to have... Yeah. Probably does have a hard time remembering. But... yeah. It looks like they are surrounded by a wonderful family who yeah. is ensuring that they know what a great mother their mom was. Um, yeah. When I was searching for um, Shannon to see if she had any social media pages or anything, mm-hmm. you could see where they her Facebook page is tagged in more recent things by different people. Um about the kids since then. Um, mm. And it's really sweet. And I'm really thankful when kids have an environment like that to, you know, grow up in where they have family and friends that are reminding them, you know, right. you may not remember, but let me tell you. Right. So they can learn about it almost as if they're maybe not know them, but they'll feel a little bit more like they know them. Yeah. Christmas Day of 2017 sounded like it might have been a hectic one. And really, what Christmas Day isn't hectic? I was just about to say that. Yeah. Shannon had shared a Facebook status that said, just not my day. Based on the comments, it looks like at least one of the stresses of that day was a watch that had possibly made its way into a garbage can outside. And she had been Have you done that before? Oh, my gosh. Have you done that before at Christmas time and thrown something away with all the wrapping paper? Yes. Um, Have I done that before when it wasn't Christmas time? Yes. Gift cards are the worst because those can be easily missed. (laughs) Yes. And I mean, you're trying to like pick up stuff and then it's like, oh, oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
It also appears that on that day, her two oldest daughters left to go visit relatives, um, which would be why they weren't home that weekend. Yeah. Well, that might might have made it kind of, you know, you don't, you, you want them to be able to go do things like that, but on you know, Christmas, you feel like, hmm. You wish you kind of wish your kids were home, especially if she was as close to them as she was. Yeah, and it, having a blended family, I know that it gets like stressful sometimes because yeah. you're trying. You want to try to make sure that everybody is together as much as possible. That you're getting to um, all the family events that you can. But when you know you have kids that have to leave to go to another parent's house at a certain time. Our kids are kind of on an opposite schedule mm, where yeah. one's leaving while one's coming. And so it does it does make it a little bit harder sometimes. Mm. Um, and so she also had apparently misplaced um, a gift for her mom. And I'm not sure if Shana had misplaced it or really how it happened. But according to a Project Cold Case article that was published in July of this year, Shannon had been looking for a gift for her mom. And that I, um, she had bought, I guess, and it had been misplaced by somebody. And that was really bothering her because she was somebody who loved giving to others. Uh-huh. She wanted to make sure everybody had a present. She wanted to make sure uh-huh. everybody, you know, was included and that that was really a big deal to her. Yeah. But I'm not sure. I don't remember in the article them saying that it ever was found. So I hope uh-huh. they did find it. I do too. It would be nice at least if, you know, her mom could have gotten that regardless of what happened. And on a side note too, I was really glad to see that updated article come out. Oh yeah. Yeah. This year, because you don't see, we don't see that a lot of the times when we're researching the cases. So when that popped up, I was so happy to see it that somebody else had followed up on it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So upon initial investigation of the scene, authorities were unable to immediately ascertain when Shannon had died or who was responsible. Obviously, they haven't figured out who is responsible yet. But in 2018, the governor did put up a $5,000 reward for any information leading to the arrest and conviction of the person that was responsible for Shannon's death. As we have Noted quite recently, a lot of the cases have had governor's rewards. And by 2020, and two years later, Shannon's case was still unsolved. And the leading investigators decided to issue a total of $20,000 reward. And what that kind of comprised of is the initial $5,000. But then the DA's office provided an additional $10,000. And Demopolis PD also contributed $5,000. So that's pretty awesome. It was kind of nice to see that all, you know, it wasn't just one. It wasn't just the governor. It was all the agency. Yeah. In a July 2020 press conference, Marengo County DA Greg Grieger stated the following. I'm going to say again, this is a, a particularly heinous crime, uh, one that... that I don't like going unsolved in my circuit. I don't like knowing another chief model uh, shares this with me. I don't like the thought that this person is still walking amongst us. Not only did he take the life of a, a young mother in her home in the middle of the night, the worst of all possible situations in my opinion, but he did so with two young kids present, um, which makes it even more. So 
anything that we can do. And based on those comments, to me at least, it sounds like they do have a person of interest. It does, yeah. Likely a male who's, at least in 2020, still lived in the area. Yeah. Because he says um, not only did he take a life. Yeah, it's like he kind of hinted at the assumption. And I don't, I'm not sure. I think that was possibly a slip of the tongue because I think throughout the rest of the conference, you know, actually the statement before that was I, the thought that this person is still walking amongst us. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I think it had been very generic and vague um, through most of it until that comment. Yeah. It was almost like an emotional response to um, and I could I could see that. And I don't know if everybody picked up on it or, you know, sometimes people like us who study cases and, you know, that sort of thing, pick up on those things a little bit more. But it could have even been intentional just to see if the person, you know, possibly, yeah. had a response of any sort right. knowing that. I would like to think they do have a person of interest because the articles all say that the officer originally reported to the apartment because he was serving civil papers on right. a guest in the residence. It never says that he was serving papers on Shannon, just somebody else in the home. But I've never seen yeah. any reference to Shannon having a roommate or anything like that. And so my question so there we would be, no was, well, who was living with her at the time or staying mm-hmm. with her around that time that they would have been serving papers on? Um, yeah. Is that who they're considering or... And maybe not. And honestly, that really, I guess, isn't really any of our business. Um, but, well, yeah. you know, I would like to think they have developed over the years, at least by this time, a person of interest. Right. And I would guess if they did, I mean, and it was, it did happen to be this person, they would have quite a bit of information if they had a something to serve on them. So, um, well, it's interesting though that we haven't heard any, I, I haven't seen anything in any of the articles about it. So, I know, and I had hoped that I was going to stumble across something saying an arrest had been made or mm-hmm. you know, a case had been solved. And, but I came across the Project Cold Case article instead, and I was like, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, regardless of the press conference in 2020 and the reward that had been issued, It appears that even now, five years later, Shannon's case remains unsolved. We did submit a request for an update by DPD through their website, but as of the date of this recording, which is November 4th, we've not heard anything back yet. I didn't see an email on their website, and I'll be honest, last week was hectic, so I didn't get a chance to actually call, which sometimes is better than trying to send an email. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But I had a real quick break during work one day and I was like I'm sending this just on the off chance that we can get an update um, but yeah. we haven't heard anything back from that yet right yep. if you have any information regarding Shannon's murder please contact Demopolis Police Department at 334-289-3073 since Alabama Cold Case Advocacy's creation we have dedicated innumerable hours to researching and networking in an effort to provide the largest platform we can to the cases we share. We shoulder all associated expenses with Alabama Cold Case Advocacy out of our own pocket, 
including the subscription fees for researching and production of the Unforgotten podcast to provide a cost-free avenue for the victims' families of those cases. We hope you will join in our efforts to raise awareness of Alabama's missing and murdered and support these families who have been forced to carry the immeasurable loss of their loved ones and the fight for answers. If you appreciate our mission and you are inspired to make a donation, your extra support will enable the ACCA to continue our research, share the cold cases, and help those families know that they are also unforgotten. Unforgotten is an Alabama cold case advocacy podcast recorded in conjunction with Riverside FM, hosted and distributed by Spotify for podcasters, available on your favorite podcast platform. Intro music for the show was created by Principles of Uncertainty, who also mixed and mastered this episode. Content and production is by Sellers and Stormy. Artwork by Sellers. Credits for music, sound clips, special mentions, and any source referenced in our podcast can be found in each episode's description. We hope you will join us on all the major social media sites and continue to raise awareness of our Alabama cold cases. Until next time, thank you for listening, and remember, justice may be delayed, but the victims and their families remain unforgotten.